right. Good morning again, everyone. Uh, can't tell you how blessed we are when we get to come back to Ten Strike and, and minister. And how y'all doing? Everybody good? Everybody went crickets on me. How's, how's everybody doing? You're good? All right, that's better. You were pretty loud when you were hugging each other, and then it got quiet on us. Good to be here this morning. Pastor Steve and Joyce, thanks for inviting us back. I must not have offended you too bad last time. So we're back again. We are so enjoying living in our new community, and God's opened some doors that... Um, I tried to shut. I keep trying to lock them, and he keeps opening them, but uh, I guess he's not finished with me yet, so got to keep going. This morning, I just wanted to share something that I had poured out to our congregation down in Monaga a few weeks ago, but I know right before our son Mathis died, about six weeks prior to that, God reminded me of something. He reminded me of a question that he asked me. And I really felt like the Lord just very plainly in my spirit said, do you really want to know my love? And you know, I, I thought I did. But there's one thing that I'm learning is that there are more steps and depths of God's love than we can even, even fathom. And I remember saying, yeah, I do. I want to love like you love. And he began to show me some of the very deeply ingrained religious traditions and thoughts that I had in my heart towards people. And I don't know about you, but when I see somebody, I usually quickly judge them. And... If you were honest, you'd probably say the same thing, you know. If I had hair down to here and I was wearing cutoffs and sandals in, you know, and sackcloth maybe, you would, uh, you would judge me. You would quickly draw a conclusion by the cover of the book, what's inside that book. So today I, I titled my message, The Fullness of Truth, and the fullness of God's love. And so I'm going to try to stay on track. Usually the train leaves the station a few times or leaves the track a few times when I'm preaching. But I'm going to try to stay focused on my notes and what I have, um, at least the scriptures. I'll follow those, I promise. But God has not changed. As we look back over the last few decades in America, our country has definitely changed a lot, hasn't it? You know, some of us guys that are a little shiny in the back, um, I have a bald spot that looks just like that birthmark that Mikhail Gorbachev used to have on his forehead. You remember that? See, I'll show it to you. See that? It looks just like it. So it took me a long time to design that and get it. But I remember the day 
You know, I, I shared it here one time before. I, my first presidential election, I voted in 1980 for President Ronald Reagan. He was a man that, amen, he stood for prayer in school. He was against abortion. He was against oppression. He told Gorbachev, actually, my hero. No, he's not my hero. He's my hair's hero. But he told him, take down the wall. Remember that? But our country since then has really begun to slide. And I heard an evangelist once when I was a new Christian, a new believer. He said, the world does not set the bar or set the standard in your country. He said, the church sets the standard. He said, there's always going to be a gap between the church and the world. But he said, if the church lowers their standard a little, then the world lowers theirs as well, and so on. And we have seen that in our country in the last four or five decades a lot. Now, God reminded me there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing surprises the Lord. He didn't wake up one day and go, wow, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. Sin has been prevalent and has been present ever since Abel and Cain in the garden. Before that, Adam and Eve, obviously. But the first two brothers, Cain killed Abel. And so nothing is new to God, but it's new to us. And what the Lord wanted to do is just to challenge me of how to stay in truth in the Word. How many agree we have to maintain the truth of God's word. He said, I am the Lord your God. I change what? Not. I don't change. Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we need to establish that in our heart when we come across opposition or if we come across someone different than us, we cannot just say, well, I think or I feel. Because if we go by I think or I feel, then there can be as many opinions and as many doctrines as there are people. I had a lady run up to me one time at, when I was a chaplain, and she got right in my face, and she goes, asked me a very loaded question, and she goes, what do you think? I mean, she was mad. And I was scared. And I stood there for a long time, and she goes, well, what do you think? And I just remember the Lord just gently dropping into my spirit. I said, it really doesn't matter what I think. And it doesn't matter what you think. I said, what matters is what God thinks. And I opened up to the scripture that answered her question point blank. And I said, just read that. She did. She walked away and never talked to me again. But it wasn't my argument, and it wasn't my opinion. So if we are going to stay in the fullness of truth, we also have to find the fullness of love. Proverbs chapter 11, the first scripture I had this morning, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1, it says, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but... A just weight is his delight. We have to remain balanced as people. 
I guess what I've witnessed, and some of what I'm going to talk about today is from my perspective and from my opinion, so to speak, and I'll make sure I say that when I do. But it seems like the church in America either became very truth-centered, and that we have to have that. Remember, we have to stay in truth. But if we just have the truth and we don't have the balance of the fullness of love, guess what the truth can begin to breed in us? Legalism, pride, self-centeredness in a sense. I do this. And then our doctrine becomes, I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or date women who do. And that's it. Because we begin to live by the law of God's word, which, is, which was good. It was a schoolmaster. It taught us. But we have to remember the one who came and fulfilled that and brought a new grace and a mercy that just poured out. So does that mean that we excuse the truth of God's word? No, we can't. So I guess my problem was I was stuck more on this side of the scale for a lot of my Christian walk. I was a word man. When I got saved, I loved the word. I get in the word, you know, and I know where the scriptures, that scripture was. And I don't know what it was because I, I love the Lord. Obviously, there was a change in my life. I was saved. I was washed in the blood. But someone preached a few years ago. I heard him on television. He said, the person of Christ brings salvation, you know? But he said, the principles of Christ bring prosperity and joy and hope. So he said, we can have a clean heart and an empty head. All right, you following? We can be saved and then just kind of stay there. And I think that's probably what I started to do. I got saved and I got into the Word and it became, you can't do this and you shouldn't do that and you better not be here and you can't go there and you can't have those friends and don't look at them. And if you guys are doing that, I ain't even going to talk to you. And we begin to shun. So we need that balance. Romans 10, 17 says that what faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word. And so there's a balance. We need faith. We need the word. We need to stay in a place where we say, Lord, how, how can I stay in love and how can I stay in truth? Husbands, when your wife messes up, boy, she's wrong, isn't she, Jeff? No, she's gone no, Never. We can know we're right. Because we're seldom wrong. No, that's not true. But even if this, by some weird circumstance, you are right, it doesn't excuse us to not function where? In love. People get divorced because you have two people that are right and they don't have any love left. They're out of balance. A false balance is an abomination to God. 
Amos chapter 8, verse 11, the, the prophet spoke and he said, Behold, the day comes, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. And then he said, Not a famine of bread or thirst for water, but of hearing the word of God. And I know one thing, we can, if we become self-righteous and full of pride in what we know, we stop hearing what God is really trying to teach us in the midst of that. And so Matthew chapter 22, I'm just going to read it off screen. It's easier than looking it up. But when the Pharisees had heard that he put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The key word in both of those commands was love. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are horizontal, or excuse me, are vertical. The first four of the commandments have to deal with our relationship with God. You will have no other gods before me, no false images. Um, remember the Sabbath. With God, the last six of the commandments are horizontal. They deal with each other. You shall honor your mother and father. You shall not steal. You shall not kill. You shall not, not commit adultery. Don't covet. So those six help us to deal with each other. The first four get our relationship with God. What did Jesus say? First commandment, love him. Love the father. I know there's times I try to love my wife before I love God. And when I do that, I don't do it right. Okay, guys? If you're having a little stress in your relationship at home, don't blame her. Go back and say, Lord, let me get this right with you. Then I'm able to deal with the circumstance that my wife and I are going through. Loving the Lord and then loving others. Boy, I have a hard time staying up here. You notice that? Well, I want to be different once. I want to be like Pastor Steve. He can stay put. <laughs> I can go where I know I can. Um, how do we love a world that we live in that says men can be women, women can be men. We're seeing new things in our culture, in our society, that we've never seen before. So I'm going to get down into the nitty-gritty of our heart, but I'm going to share an experience that I had first, okay? If you've known us long enough, you might have remembered our little daughter, Kaya, that we adopted. Kaya was um, autistic and fetal alcohol 
and both kind of at level 10. She was like an atom bomb that at times was cuddly and fun. She could be so much joy. We sang together every morning. She'd get up in my lap after the kids would get on the school bus, and we'd sing for an hour, and then she'd poke my eyes out a little bit later. But Kyle was very difficult. She was medical. She had a feeding tube. She had different medical issues that most doctors in our area did not want to touch. Yeah, micropremie. She was 15 ounces at birth. So if you can picture uh, four sticks of butter in your hand, take part of the fourth stick away, and that was Kaya at birth. At one time, she was the smallest living survivor ever born in Florida. Um, but this child grew up to be very... She was crazy. Let's just put it right out there. That kid could be crazy. And yet she was so much fun at times. We couldn't find a doctor anywhere in Minnesota, North Dakota, or South Dakota that would see Kaya, other than for a quick physical exam or someone. She had a lot of psychological issues, and so she needed to be on medications that calmed her because she, was, she would have been institutionalized without them. Finally, we found a gentleman in Duluth, and his name was Matt. And he was kind, he was quiet, just did a great job with Kaya. Oh, we appreciated Matt so much. For about four years, I think, we took her to Matt. And then one day, we got a letter in the mail from Miller Dewan, the clinic in Duluth. And it was a letter stating that Dr. Matt would no longer be known as Dr. Matt, but he would now be known as Dr. Megan. I went right over here. Thou shalt not. You know? Now stick with me, okay? Listen to the whole story before you throw something at me, okay? Man, I was mad as a hornet. I thought, no way, not in this Christian home. My daughter is not going to be seen by a transgender, cross-dresser, whatever title they wanted to put on. Not going to happen, not in my lifetime. And I was righteous in God, and I could feel Moses building up in me, and maybe I would grab a staff and go up there and smack him around a little bit. That would probably knock some sense into him, right? I could set him straight by the word of God. And this little social worker that we had at the time was a believer, and she looked at me and she goes, well, then who's going to show him the love of Christ? And I thought, well, certainly not me, because I'm the one with the club. I'm going to take him out. Now, don't act all self-righteous, because... I know some of you would have thought the same thing. Right? Come on. These are tough situations. I can love Chantel. She's, she's a kitty cat. Well, maybe a bobcat, something like that. <laughs> but you ain't no mountain lion. No, she's, she's easy to love. Pastor Steve, you're a piece of cake, man. <laughs> 
Dan, you're a little hard. No, I'm just kidding. I love you anyway, buddy. But it's easy to love those who love you and are just like you and we walk the same way and we talk the same way and we speak Christianese, right? People of the world don't even know what we're saying half the time because we speak a different language. And we think that's good, but it really is not. You're getting pretty quiet now. So, anyway, I stewed and I fussed, and I guess I walked just far enough back this way to say I'll take her up there one more time to see him, her, whatever, but this time I wasn't sure how to address him. And so here's what I did. I was in the bathroom. And how many people have God speak to you when you're in the bathroom? Anybody? You know why that is? Because it's the only time we're quiet. My wife calls it bathroom ministry. So I'm in the bathroom and I'm shaving. And I'm, I'm probably preaching too. Well, in the name of Jesus, I tell you what I'm going to do. And the Lord, I don't know how he speaks to you, but I, I kind of felt one of those. And he said, not only do I want you to take her to, you, to him, when you're done with the appointment, I want you to ask him how you can pray for him today. And the first thing I said was, get thee behind me, Satan, because that could not be the voice of God, right? Speaking to me. But it was. I began to be nauseated in my stomach. I began to feel sick, literally, for three hours from our home in Solway, driving to Duluth. I thought about running in the ditch faking, you know, pull the distributor, I don't know, get some wires off the car, I don't know what it was, but we made it to the appointment, and Matt came in there, and my heart filled with love and compassion for him. He had a dress on, long hair, talked different than he talked before a little bit, I don't know what the point was about. I didn't hear a thing. All I knew that the silence at the end of that appointment when he said, is there anything else? And the Lord said, here's your chance to find out what the fullness of love is all about. I said, I didn't know what to say. I said, doctor. I said, doctor, is there anything I could pray for you today about in your life? Instantly, tears began to run down his face. And he mentioned a couple things about his kids his wife had, a few years before that, abandoned the family. Maybe that was part of 
his issue. I don't know. His teenage children and him were moving to Seattle, I believe. His heart was broken. His heart was heavy. And so I reached over and took him by the hand. And I began to pray. I don't know what I prayed. Doesn't matter. When I looked up, he was just sobbing. And he said to me, Kent, nobody's ever prayed for me before, ever. And I couldn't even say, well, that's because I'm so spiritual and mighty and love of God. You know, that's just who I am. I felt like a bug. And I felt ashamed, not from God but of who I thought I was in him. You see, these are real things we have to deal with in our church today. If someone comes through that door and they're different than you, no matter how hard it is, it's time we put our arms around people. It's time we embrace people. Listen now, I told you we're going to come back over here. We cannot leave the truth of the Word of God. But what we think was being godly very often was shunning, was hurting, not just transgenders, not just the gay people, people in our own families that didn't accept us or weren't like us or we can't be around them because they might drink or we can't be over here because this guy smokes. That guy smokes marijuana. You can't talk to him even. We got to get past this mindset that somehow we are going to blow up if we walk near somebody that's not completely righteous. But some of us were second, third, fourth, fifth generation Christians in our family. We didn't have to live out in the dirt and in the mud. If you're going to have a message, you got to get messy. You got to get out there with the people that need Christ. Where did Jesus hang out? Just a couple months ago, the Lord reminded me of what he asked me when before Mathis had died. And he said, do you, I'm going to take you back to where, what I was dealing with you about. Do you want to know my love? And who can say no to that? Who did Jesus go to? He was ministering and loving on prostitutes and, and tax collectors. And who's the little dude in the tree? Zacharias, Zacharias, is that right? Zacchaeus. You come down from there, you dirty rat. I'm going to your house for supper. He was a bad dude. He stole, he manipulated, he swindled. And Jesus went where? 
He wasn't afraid that somehow he was going to become contaminated by the world. That somehow if we talk to somebody or pray for somebody or put your arms around somebody, that you're going to somehow become like them. The love of God is deeper. We sing songs, right? And yet we're so afraid. We're caught over here in truth to the point where we don't let the truth of his love balance us out. Now that was me. And am I there? No, I am not. We were watching a movie the other day. And it's like a never-ending story when we're, God's trying to get through to me. So we're watching this movie, Peter. It was a man called Otto. Anybody see Otto? See that movie? Wasn't that? It was about a cranky old man. You know? Just a cranky old dude. His wife had died. He was bitter. He was angry. And it was, it was kind of humorous. And, you know, I could see some things in him about me. <laughs> but mostly about my wife. No, just kidding. It wasn't about her. And right in the middle of the story, they popped a transgender in there. And so, here was loving Kent, loving Otto. He was an old hurt man. You know my heart. And all of a sudden, Peter, here comes this guy. So I ran right back over here. And I'm stewing. Why they got to put this stuff in every movie? We can't just watch a show. And I, I went on, not out loud, inside. I'm having this little camp meeting inside me. And it was, I was sitting in the recliner, and it was like the Lord put his arm around me. He goes, uh, How's that love thing working out for you? I went, oh, I did it again. You see, this is not a one-time thing to stay balanced in the love of God. And then the Lord showed me in that movie that man, Otto, who was a cranky old man who had no idea who God was as far as the show. He was loving this kid. And showing compassion to this kid and made a difference in this child's life. Some dear brother in our church where we're attending, and he told me, he said, There's a transgender at my work. And he said, I don't know what to do. I could tell he was right here, man. He was just wound up tight. He didn't know, he, he said, what I do is I ignore her. I said, well, how's that working for you? Well, I, I don't know what to do. And I told him, I said, how about if you just be kind to her? Buy her lunch. Take her a gift. Take her a flower. How about just treat her like a lady? How would Jesus handle her? How about talking? Yeah. How about just say, hi, hope you're having a good day. But come on now, we, we're afraid, aren't we? Not everybody, but we're, we're not sure. 
how to deal with the world we're living in. And so we just stay away and we kind of, out of fear or doubt or confusion, we just don't do anything. So he came back to work, or excuse me, to church the next week. He was glowing. He said, Kent, I did it. I said, you did what? He said, I was kind to her and talked to her. And she smiled. Because I had told him, I said, see her the way Jesus does as a hurting, broken child that he died for. And all of a sudden, we treat people differently. We treat them as humans, as children, created in the image of God. I know before I came to Christ, there was a lot of confusion and a lot of darkness and a lot of deception in my life. Anybody else? Huh? We were deceived. The very essence of the word to be deceived means you don't know. But how do we change? I remember sitting one night and hearing music and having people love on me. And man, I was, I was auto. But when the Spirit of God, through his people, begins to reach out. Was it Casting Crowns that sang that song? If we are the body, why aren't his hands reaching? Why aren't his arms? This guy was so excited because he had seen a change. And I know he was excited to go back to work. He was not liking his job because he didn't, Understand that it's okay. You can stand firm on the Word of God, and I'll say it, there's only two genders, male and female. I'm sorry. I might get in trouble. I don't care. Boy and girl, men and women, that's what God created. He said, I created them male and female. And when he brought them together, he brought together male and female. And there's a miracle that takes place when that happens. We have the ability to create life. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the what? Life. We're created in his image to bring life. But in that life is the love is the grace and is the mercy. And my prayer this morning for me is that I keep growing this way. Not leaving the word. Not leaving truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? We're not compromising the truth of God. I'll close with this. I was... I don't know if I was praying or, you know how God usually will just show you something? He showed me the picture of a, this plant. And on the left side of the plant, 
right down the middle. The whole plant was just beautiful and lush and green. And it looked amazing. Now, the other side of the plant looked like a Christmas tree that you had kept in your house till April. Seriously. There wasn't anything on the left side of that tree. And I said, well, Lord, isn't that interesting? And he said, that's you. And I said, Lord, but I'm afraid to go over there. He said, that's okay. He said, let me take you over there. And then you will become full on both sides. And something deep inside me, I still stand on the word of God. And that's a good thing, right? We don't want to waver on the truth. But I'm having to learn a lot of hard lessons about love. And it never stops. It never stops. Romans 13, 9 and 10. I have one more scripture. Romans 13. Or excuse me. No, I've got Romans 13, so I'm going to read it in case we have the wrong one. I wrote down chapter 13. Yeah, it's chapter 13, verses 9 and 10. For this, Paul said, Thou shalt not commit adultery, shall not kill, shall not steal, shall not bear false witness, shall not covet. And if there be any other commandments, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, because love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. The truth, the law, the word of God is only fulfilled by his love. I feel balanced today where before the scales were <clears throat> way out of balance. And it's interesting. I can feel it now when I start. Ooh, I need to get that. I'm quicker to hear when God says, uh, uh, uh. I didn't tell you to judge them. I told you to love them. I told you to be kind. We can take this to every example. Our wife, our kids, our neighbor, the people on the street corner. The guy laying in the street. The lawyer, the doctor, the self-righteous preachers. We can all 
be that person. But somehow we have picked out certain sins, we have picked out certain problems, and in our own minds we glorify them, and God says, stop it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Some people say, well, I don't love myself. Yeah, you do. When you're hungry, do you feed yourself? Yes, you do. When you're dirty, do you clean yourself? Yes, you do. When you want something, you get it for yourself. Yes, you do, right? We love ourselves. We're supposed to take care. We're the temple of God, created in his image. So let's love others the same way. Take care of them. Help them, feed them, clothe them. For Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. As we close in prayer, if you, if, if you struggle, come join me because I still struggle with it. It's not easy loving Josh, but I do anyway. But seriously, there's a freedom. It is so much easier living here. I'm not kidding. It was a full-time job being that Kent. And I didn't really like him either. I like myself more today than I did before. But I think any time we have more of Christ and less of ourselves, we're going to like ourselves a little more. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you that you're patient with me. That you do love me as much as you love everyone else. And Lord, I want to publicly confess and repent of the times when I do not love like you love. When I judge, even within my own home. And so, Father, I pray that you would tear down a lot of the religious walls and charades that we have put up over the years. And you help us to truly love people, whether they're a different color, whether they're from a different religion, whether they're from whatever, fill in the blank, but you would help us to love them. And we thank you now, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Steve, do you have anything you want to add before we're done? Oh, that's right. Peter, I forgot all about you. I tell you. See what happens? Doesn't mean I don't love you, though. Come up here and give me a hug. Oh, sure. All right. Uh, before we let you go today, just a couple of uh, announcements. And I don't have an updated one online, so I'll... I think this week, though, we have uh, our normal weekly activities, right? On Wednesdays, uh, we have uh, the Touchpoint with Steve and Joyce. That's at 9 a.m. And uh, on, at 6 p.m., we have the 
of the youth group. Uh, we have uh, no kids activities I'm seeing, but we do have men's groups, so please come to those things. Um, just a reminder that our boxes are on the back for our giving this morning. Uh, we're so thankful that you're here. Before I let you go, I just have uh, one thought, and I apologize, my voice is rather hoarse. I'm realizing now as I'm talking. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you have to listen in quick or close here. Uh, but as I was listening to Kent this morning, I'm, aren't we just thankful for what he was saying this morning, first of all? Why don't we give him just one hand here? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I find myself thinking about these things, thinking about these issues. How do we, what, just what do you do in your mind when you see, you're watching a movie, like you're saying, and you see something and you go, well, what am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to, how am I supposed to feel about it, right? Um, and the thing that I was thinking about this morning, the, the verse that, that came to mind is one that uh, has brought a lot of comfort to me uh, over the last few years. And it's uh, in the book of Ephesians, in the first chapter, um, something's revealed to us in the first book of Ephesians. Um, and it's something amazing. Uh, if you ever wonder, what is the will of God? What is it that is going to happen in this world? Where are we going? <laughs> is sometimes our question. Where are we going as a country? Where are we going as a nation? What's going to happen? You know, we, sometimes we, our mind goes to the worst places, doesn't it? We, we imagine the worst. Um, but this is what uh, the Word says. So I think, I think we can put our, our feet on that. Uh, and it says this. It says that in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of all sins according to the riches of his good favor, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and all prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. Here's what the mystery of his will is. He says this, that according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed not in, in us, so he doesn't put this on our shoulders, it says that he made uh, this good pleasure, purposed it in himself, he says. That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he may gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and that which is on earth in him. So I think we can rest on that. When we're celebrating the 4th of July, I don't think we have to second guess ourselves in saying that we live in a good place. We have a hope for a good future that America <laughs> and all the nations of the world, I believe, are destined to be one and gathered together in him. So in that, in that regard, Jesus, we just celebrate you. We lift this time of the year up to you. We lift ourselves up to you. And just pray that the things that Kent has been speaking on today would really would be dropping into our hearts and our spirits, that it would be affecting us in the way that we treat others and think about the world around us. So in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Bless you all. <laughs> Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear? So that the Lord.